Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. Let's get into the Word. title of my sermon today is The Art of Meditation. The Art of Meditation. Now, everyone's got different ideas of what meditation is, right? Guaranteed, if you talk to 10 different people, you'll have like six different answers of what meditation is. And meditation, if you didn't know, is actually a biblical concept. It started off with the Bible, and it's been hijacked a lot of different ways. You might think of meditation as, uh, I always think of Seinfeld, George Gazzana, serenity now, for those who Seinfeld lovers out there. I, um, I think of a lot of times you'll think of someone just like, like a monk humming and meditating and just creating noise to, to clear their head. You might think meditation is you got to get away from everything, I don't know, get on a lake or a beach and try to think of nothing. Like I, there's lots of different ideas of what meditation is. But meditation is biblical and meditation is actually crucial to your walk of faith your, walk of, your, your life walk with God, and also what God has called you to. So we're going to define what meditation is, what biblical meditation is, and how it is necessary. Now hear me out here. It is a necessity. If you want to live the life that God has called you into, you need to learn how to meditate and meditate on God's Word. But if you just want to live the life that you can live, you don't need God for that. You don't need faith for that because you can do what you want and you can do that on your own power. But we're all here because we claim to love Jesus, want to live a life with Jesus, and that, or we're exploring that idea. And in order to live a life that God's called us to is that meditation is absolutely vital. So we're going to dive into that in just a moment. How many people brought their Bibles to church today? Nice. You guys are slacking. I think we have to pick this up a little bit between all the pastors Remind us. I didn't bring my real one today. I brought my iPad one. Turn your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7. We're going to be reading in Joshua chapter 1 to start. We're forming the whole sermon based off of this passage of Scripture and also in Romans. Give you a little bit of background. You know what? Before we keep going, I'm going to pray. I forgot to pray. You guys didn't remind me to pray. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we exalt you above everything in our life. God, we lift you high. We thank you that you are here, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. You're welcome in our life. Be our, 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 be our guide today. Would you lead us into all truth? We thank you that as this word goes forth, God, that it does not return void, but your word brings life to all who hear. We thank you so much, God, that it's an honor and a privilege that we can gather around your word. As well, Father, we thank you so much for this great nation of Canada that we live in. We thank you that we have the opportunity to live, to have our families, and to work, and to thrive in Canada, Father. And we just praise you for this country. And we thank you so much for every leader, from federal to provincial, down to the cities and towns, Father, that, you, that leaders are there to lead and to guide and to bring the best for this nation. We thank you you're going to continue to make wisdom and knowledge available to them, that you're going to bring the right people of influence across their paths to help shape and lead them in what you want 
for this country and what you want for its citizens, Father. We thank you that they'll continue to lead us in the path of freedom, in the path of being able to champion the citizen, a path of opportunity for all, Father. And we thank you so much for this. But if there are people that do not want what you want for this country, God, if they're leading by selfish ambition or if they're leading in ways that only they want what they want, Father, we thank you that you're raising up mighty men and women of God to take their place, to fill those spots, to continue to lead our provinces and our cities and our nation to the calling that God has for this country. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said, amen and amen and amen. Joshua 1, we're going to start in verse 6, but to give you a little bit of context about where we're going and what's happening here is Joshua is right after Deuteronomy. You have Moses, um, who has just went to be with Jesus. You remember Moses leading his people out of Egypt, and Joshua was essentially his number two. And it's now Joshua's turn to lead. So God, in this moment, is telling Joshua and equipping him Um, imparting into him, first off, the vision that was given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and going all the way down through, and Moses about the promised land that these people are going to be led into. So now he's he's letting Joshua know and informing him uh, as the leader about this idea. Then he goes and he gives them a number of commands and and things that he must do. And and there's one that we're going to focus on today out of verse 8, but we'll get there in a moment. Let's start reading in verse chapter 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. So God is saying, this is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Man, we could preach on that right now. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. (laughs) He doesn't give them any other option. Your only option is to be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And you guys have all heard this one. We're going to, we're going to look at this pretty in-depthly today. This book of the law it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that according to what is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now this is written in the context of this is written, you know, God is speaking to Joshua to lead the people of Israel. Verse 8, just one more time. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Remember, this is God speaking to Joshua about how he's going to lead and the example that he is going to set for his people. He's pretty clear, pretty plain speak with what he's saying here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all, to do according to all that is written in it, for then your ways will be prosperous. What a great portion of scripture. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 2. Actually, Romans chapter 12 is actually where we're going. I'm going to read in verse 2. So, 
again, just for a little background, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. These are the Roman Christians, which are in the middle of the, the cultural epicenter of the world in Rome. And there is a church that is starting to, to form and starting to thrive. And Paul actually hasn't yet been there, but there must have been travelers that have experienced or heard about Jesus going to Jerusalem or wherever they heard about the gospel. And now they've started their own church, and Paul has gotten wind. And Paul has now been writing to them, explaining doctrine, explaining the ways of Jesus, explaining all of these things, and giving them guidelines on how to do life in church. And we find ourselves here in verse 12 after he has laid out a lot of different things, which we don't have time to go over today. But this is Paul saying I, to the Roman Christians, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, Romans 12, verse 1, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A, a little just scripture side point. He's picking up on something that he wrote earlier in chapters, I think it's two or three, that he's now adding, he's compounding. That's why it's so amazing to read through God's word, not just cherry pick certain scriptures, but when you read through all of them, you'll see what the author is trying to get across here. Verse two is where I want to focus on. It says, do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to say that one more time. Do not be conformed to this world. Romans, Roman Christians in Rome, do not be conformed to the world that is around you, meaning do not accept what is acceptable and their normal and their standard as your world. That's David's paraphrased version. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So he's telling us what not to do, and then he tells us how to do that. By the transformation, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world. There is this thing that we're going to focus on in the idea of meditation. And just to define meditation properly, the way that I think biblically the right word to use or another word to use to, to give you an idea of what meditation really is, meditation equals imagination. I'm not talking fantasy imagination like Imagineers with Disney where you're making talking mice or things like that. I'm talking about the imagination that we are all gifted with, which is informing our hearts and our minds of what we see for our life. Did you know that every single day you guys are imagining things? Some people are imagining things right now. We all are imagining. Our, our imagination is constantly going. So if I replace that word, we are constantly meditating on things. When you're driving, when you're at home, maybe as you're falling asleep, Whatever it might be, you might be meditating on things. Now, the question I have is, what are the things that we are meditating on? Because whether consciously or whether subconsciously, there are things that are informing our life and our world of what our life is going to be based on what we are meditating, based on what you are imagining. I totally believe that as we go through this is that we're going to realize and we see that the life that you are living right now, I'm going to be really bold to say this, the life that you are living right now is probably because it's the life that you've been imagining. It's most likely because it's the life that you've been stooping. Is that a word, stooping, steeping, you've been stooping on? Is that proper English? Thank you, Austin. He's my local English smart guy. What have you been imagining? What have we been meditating on? Because our life, every single day, we're conforming to something. Is that 
We're inundated in a world where there are so many inputs that are coming into our heart, our brain, our mind, that if we are not careful of what we are meditating on, is that we are doing what Paul has told us not to do, is that we will conform to the world and the world standard of things if we are not actively transforming our mind by the word of God. So to put it very plainly, is that we've got two things that we can do. We can allow the inputs of what the world thinks, and the world is just a general term of things that are not what God says. We can allow those things to set the standards in our life, to set the vision for our life, to set how we view our marriages, our business, our kids, our relationships, our speech, our conduct. We can allow those things to be the input, because guess what? If they're being input, our brains are going to imagine and think on it and dwell on it, and it's going to build a picture in your heart. Or we are transforming our mind and our heart according to what God's word says. We are imagining the things that God says and we're allowing that to be the picture that our life is walking down. So this is vital. We all just so you know, if you're, you've got breath in your lungs, did you know that God has a calling on your life? Do you know that God has purposed you? God has designed you to bring glory in every single area that you do, bring glory to God and to show what life is like with Jesus, to excel, to be, to be able to show others what Jesus can do in our life. Do you guys believe that? You have a calling on your life. See, it takes no faith to live the life that you can live. I just, I want that to sit for a second. It takes zero faith <laughs> to live the life that you can live. Hey, here's another thought. It takes zero faith to give what you can give. That's another sermon. We're not going to go there today. But it takes faith to live the life that God has called you to do. It takes faith. And what do we know about faith? We know faith is essentially what we're doing is we're building a vision in our heart to see things with our spiritual eyes that we don't yet see with our physical eyes. I'll give you an example. We, we, you, you look at the, the simple fact of what marriage is like in our world. Danielle and I, last week, we were, two weeks ago, we were watching a movie, and it, it's a stupid movie, so I don't recommend, recommend to watch it. We learned halfway through it's a stupid movie. Called Best Friends, from like 1990s or 1980s with Burt Reynolds. How many people have seen that? Who wasn't alive when that movie came out? Okay, there we go. Younger audience. And it's a movie about script writers, best friends, a guy and a girl, and they're best friends, they got a good thing going, I don't know if, I think they're friends with benefits type of thing, and, and they, they have it, but they start slowly falling in love, and they are forced with the question of, should we get married? And the whole movie is about them, how they decide to get married, but they're concerned if they get married, they're going to ruin what they have, right? And so this idea, then they get married, and guess what? Everything gets screwed up because they got married. Stupid movie. But guess what? The input of that, that is what the world views marriage like. They view marriage as it is, is it just a ball and chain. A wife is a ball and chain or a husband is a putz that just gets lazy and he gets a dad bod. No offense to all the dad bods out there, but you can do better. <laughs> all of these things that the world projects into our life, and guess what? You look at the stats of marriage at one and two marriages end in failure. I think it's even higher now. I think it's eclipsed the 50% mark. But that stat is the same in the church. And I'm going to tell you why it's the same in the church. 
It's because we've allowed the vision and our imagination to conform to what the standard the world has set for marriage. So we've built this image in our mind that, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I fell in love with this woman. I got married, but I expect that the marriage at some point is going to grow cold. We're going to get old. We're going to get tired. We're going to have less sex. We're going to do all these things. Our kids are going to take up all our time. It's going to cost me more money. See, all of these things, if we're dwelling on them and imagining them, is that we are now forming, whether you subconsciously or consciously know you are, you're building a vision in your heart of what marriage will look like. And guess what? If your marriage is starting to get to a point, it's not because it just randomly happened. It's because your hearts started to imagine that years and years beforehand, and you're only walking out physically what your hearts already imagined beforehand. This can happen on the good side, or the bad side of things. That's why Paul is telling us, do not be conformed to this world. See, God's word says, you know what God says about marriage? God says that marriage is designed by him. It is designed so that when two people come together, they grow greater in every single area of your life. Your friendship is meant to get sweeter and sweeter the longer you're married. Hey, your sex life should get better and better the longer that you are married. Your life should be able to, in your marriage, and you'll grow in love with each other the longer that you are married. That's what God's word says. So this is the idea of inputting our minds with what God's word said versus what the world says, because you are going to get what you're imagining in your heart. I'm just going to let you know. Pastor Leon would always say, play the movie out. So what are we allowing in our hearts to form the vision of our life? If you want to live the life that God has called you to, if you want to live a life that God is implanting, you're going to have to allow God's word to shape that vision and that mindset and that picture of where he is leading and guiding you. I'm not talking about you having some whimsical notions of what you think is good. I'm saying specifically you allow God's word to be the only thing that feeds your heart and feeds the vision for your life. This is vital for Christians to be able to walk and experience everything that God has for your life. Colossians 3.10 tells us that we have to put on our new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of my creator. I love how it says in Proverbs 4.23, for out of the heart flows the forces of life. Out of your heart, a number of weeks ago, I did a message on defining what does it mean by our heart, the Hebrew word lavav. It means our emotions, our desires, our will. All of those things are wrapped up in the heart. And where do we get those from? We get our desires, our emotions, how we react, the things that we want, our will. We get that from the things that are being input into our life. I'll give you a very practical example. If you've known someone who, let's say you grew up with them, they were a good guy, and all of a sudden in their 20s or 30s, they're doing some super horrible things. Even you want to use the word evil, you want to do things that might even be a little disgusting. People don't just start doing that out of nowhere. The reason why physically people start walking out things like that is because their heart and their imagination has been there years beforehand. It just took a while for the time, seed, time, harvest, is that we walk out what we are imagining in our life. The seed that we plant in our life is so vital. And Paul is warning us here into what we believe, what we meditate on, what we look at, what we allow to form and shape our life. You are going to walk that out. It's just a matter of time. How many people are wondering why there's a chair here? I feel like some of you aren't paying attention and you're only focusing on the chair. 
We're going to get to this in just a moment. I'm going to show you in a couple minutes what I do to meditate on God's Word, get very practical about it. It's like often one thing when you, as a pastor, you get a chance to talk with a lot of people. And I hear often that people just think, I don't, like, what do I do? Do I just read a lot of scripture? What's the formula? What do I have to do to get into, like, what do I, they just don't know what to do. I'm going to show you how I meditate on God's word. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I'm pretty sure it's right. (laughs) But I'm going to show you what I do, and hopefully it can serve as an encouragement to you guys about how you can start to meditate and practically look at God's word to help shape and form the image. But that's in a couple of minutes. You know, it talks about as well, if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 26.3 tells us, you guys have heard this voice, may the Lord keep them in perfect peace. So many times we stop reading at that point. But if you keep going, it says, for those whose mind is stayed on him. So the word mind here, the Hebrew word that they're using for mind, I can't even pronounce it, I'm going to spell it for you, is Y-E-T-S-E-R. It's like, yes sir, something like that. And what it means, it means the word conception. So the Hebrew writers are using this word about whose mind is stayed on him. They're using a word that means conception, but to say it in English using the word conception doesn't make sense. The word, this word yetzer is also used all throughout the Bible, but one I want to highlight is in Genesis 6 of the Tower of Babel, is that when God came down and confused the languages, is that he made a comment saying that the people's and in the English, I believe it says, the people's imagination is going to bring them and do whatever they imagine. I think that's the correct saying. They will do whatever they imagine. It's the same word that I just highlighted here in Isaiah 26, 3. This idea which means conceive, a conception. Now, we all know what conception means. I'm not going to go in the birds and the bees today. That's Pastor Zach's job on a different Sunday to go through all that with you all. But we're going to pretend like we all know what that means. But to conceive means to eventually, if you conceive a child, at some point, you are going to give birth in reality to that child. It's going to come from not being seen to being a reality within nine months when you conceive. The Hebrew writers, writers are using the same word for your mind, for your heart. When I'm using the word heart, I'm using interchangeably with, 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 with your vision, your soul, your emotions, the things that are informing your life. So when we conceive an idea, an input, whatever seed we allow in our mind, is that we are now going to conceive that idea, and at some point we're going to give birth to it in our life. You know, my wife, Danielle, when she was pregnant with Gabriel about two years ago, is... I was kind of trying to convince her for a while that we shouldn't tell anyone to just hide her away for the last like three months, four months, and then we'll just surprise everyone we have a baby. Because we didn't tell anyone that we, had, we were pregnant for I think like four and a half months, something like that. It was kind of fun to surprise people with it. And the thing is, is that nobody knew what was going on with Danielle. Nobody knew what was going on inside her body. I remember she'd be laying on the couch and feeling so exhausted and so tired in the first trimester, and she would feel guilty, like, gosh, I don't even have energy to do anything. I'm like, relax, babe. I got you. Whatever you need, your wish is my command. I will get you what you need because your body is working overdrive right now. Her body is producing. It conceived the child, and now it is busy working to produce this child, and it's just a matter of time before it came out in reality. Our mind is the exact same thing. Our heart is the exact same thing. So if you're allowing, you know what? I'm not going to go there. No, we're not going there. 
your mind, whatever your mind is allowing, your heart is allowing to receive the seed, the seed might be, you know what? The seed might be checking out your neighbor's wife all the time. I went there. <laughs> the seed in your life might be pornography. To get real serious. The seed in your life might be the sexual stuff that's going on, and it's only a matter of time because that is now shaping the belief system of your heart. It's only a matter of time before you start seeing negative sexual things in your life that you are now acting upon. No one ever cheated on somebody without first seeing it in their heart months before. I didn't want to go there. I did by accident. I didn't mean to. Let's change subjects to maybe a nicer one. Whatever you're conceiving in your heart, your body, and your mind, and your life is going to live out at some point. That's what the author is trying to get across here. So it's so vital what we are putting in our life, in our mind, what we are focusing on, because it, I love what Pastor Leon will always say, play the movie out, is that what is going to happen down the road based on what you are meditating and building your life on? What is the input? Is the input standards that the world is setting, or is the input God's word in your life? Do you think you're a loser just because your uncle or your friends or your professor said you're a loser and you're dumb and now that's actually holding you down and you think you are? Or are you going to God's word and reminding yourself that he says you're more than a conqueror? Reminding yourself that Jesus would came to earth if it was only you, that he's purpose and that he's called you. See, what are you inputting into your life? Because we all know that that's going to shape who we are. Back to Joshua real quickly before I take a seat in the chair. Joshua is being challenged by God with a couple of things. Now, that's being written to Joshua and those people, but there's a lot of application that we can get to our life from what's been, because we no longer have the law. Joshua had the law. He knew what he needed to do, and God was expecting and hoping for perfect obedience of the law. And obviously, man fell short of that over and over again. But what we have, Jesus fulfilled the law, but what we have now is what Jesus says who we are. We have the B-I-B-L-E, the thing that shows us what God's way of life is, what he believes, what he thinks. It's his self-revelation to who we are, who he is. So we have that, and we can apply that to when it says meditate on the book of the law, meditate on the word of God every single day. Meditate, let that be the one that informs your soul of who you are. And Joshua, Joshua was told to be strong and courageous. That same message is for us to be strong and courageous in the world where they're trying to set different standards. Be strong and courageous to live your life by the standards of God. It's not going to be popular. In fact, Jesus said that you are going to be persecuted because of his name's sake. So be strong. Be courageous about God's way of living because God's way of living will produce life. It will produce fruit. It will produce prosperity, as he said in Joshua. It will produce success in your life in every single area. And what's being happened here is Joshua is being challenged to perpetual faithfulness of the covenant. We're being challenged to the same thing. Perpetual faithfulness to God's word. As a leader, he has this extra emphasis where God's basically telling him, let the law color your speech. I feel like the same thing's being echoed to us. Let the word of God color your speech and how you talk. Let it fill your mind. Let it govern your entire life. When we look at meditating on God's word. I'm going to take a seat because all of you guys are sitting. That's okay. This is what I do. I only got a couple minutes left. Well, I want to show you what I do in my life to meditate on God's word. I usually, almost all the time, I'll go in my basement and I'll sit on my couch. I have a coffee little spot. I'll have my coffee beside me. I'll leave my phone in a different room. Literally, leave it upstairs. 
I do it in the mornings. Praise God, I got my mornings back. I love you guys are clapping for that. That's awesome. Thank you. Win the morning, win the day. It's, so what I'll do, I'll go in the morning. Why? Because I got a two-year-old kid running around. And if I go in the daytime or in the evening, it just doesn't work, right? Evenings, well, after he goes down, my wife and I love to hang and have our, our date nights and our time together. So for me, it works best to get up in the morning and to set aside where it's uninterrupted. I feel like so many of us don't like silence, don't create space in their life, but to have a moment where I can just sit and meditate on God's word and allow Holy Spirit to speak to me. How many people are uncomfortable with that silence? (laughs) We have to get comfortable in the silence with God and let him minister to our hearts. So what I do is there's different things I'll be reading. There's, I always have my stuff that I'm reading through books and through the Bible. And, but if there's something specifically in my life that I know I'm struggling with or I know I'm having a problem with, then I'm going to go to God's Word and remind myself. And I'm not perfect at this. This is something I have to do every day of my life. Every single day. Otherwise, my mind is going to conform to things that it should not conform to. This is the act of duty. No one's perfect. No one's self-righteous enough that you can just have a perfect mind. It is the, we, no one's good. Jesus said no one's good. Only God's good. So let's put our, our, our hope and our faith and know that it's Jesus who, 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 who sacrificed himself for us, that God, I'm going to do the work though, so that I can try to attain and try to be like Jesus as best as I possibly can. So all that to say is maybe someone's dealing, like this is an easy one. Maybe you're dealing with health. We all at some point in our life have dealt with health issues. Um, we've all had bad reports from doctors. Maybe someone's got real bad back pain where your life can only be lived because of T3s. Right? I've been there before where I've had a low bad back and I depended on that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I'm saying is if we allow what doctors are saying or we allow and we accept the fact that this is the input in my life that, you know what, I can only get through my day with a T3, what we're doing is you're now shaping an image of your life that is dependent and only going to happen because of T3s. And you can apply that to whatever other health or sickness thing you're going on. So this is what I, I do. I go to God's word and be like, okay, I know the reality of the situation that I got back me. I, I felt it when I sat down. Like, not now, I'm just I'm acting for you guys. And the Oscar goes too. But what I'll do is uh, you feel it. And there's a reality, reality to that. But the thing that we know that faith works is Faith is seeing the image that God is putting in your heart, in your spiritual womb. You conceive it spiritually before your eyes see it in reality. If you can't see it in here, you'll never see it out here, just so you know. So many times we pray, God, please heal me, please heal me. But none of us have ever done the work to put the vision in our heart that I can actually see myself walking healthy. So we are praying these empty prayers to God, but we're not doing the heart work because our vision and our, our thing is so wrong. So again, back to the practice practicalness, I will go ahead and I'll read. I wrote down a number of verses here. It took me 10 minutes to put some of these things together. Psalms 41.3, I love this. It says, the Lord sustains him in his sickbed and, is, and in his illness, he restores him to full health. So I'm not rushing myself to read the whole chapter to try to get gorge myself with scripture. I'm going to settle on this one image. I'm going to let God's word form the image of my heart. So I'll sit quietly in the basement with my feet up, sometimes I'll be on my knees, sometimes I'll just be praying and talking to God, or I'll just go and I'll I'll repeat this in my head over and over again. Thank you, God, that you sustain me, that you restore me to full health. And so what I imagine is now I imagine Jesus 
resurrecting and being risen from the dead. This is just what's coming to mind right now. And I imagine as he's going up is that he is removing the curse of the law from me. That what he died and rose again, it, it removed all of those things from me. So then I'm like, okay, God, your will, because I don't want David whim, David's whimsical will. <laughs> I don't want what David wants. I'm not just thinking of good things to think of. I'm letting God's word form what I think. Why? Because David's way sucks, <laughs> just so you guys know. God's way is the right way. So I don't want to do this on my own. Like, I don't need my own vanity harping into this. That screws up every time. So God, you inform my heart. But your word says that health and life is a promise, and you took that from me. It also reminds me of what it says in 1 Peter, is that by his stripes I am healed. I can go on and on and on about Scripture. So we know that that's God's promise. So now I start imagining, practically to me, okay, I'm imagining now putting an extra plate of 45 on the squat rack. So I've got multiple plates now, and I can do deep squats with no pain. So I'll imagine myself... <laughs> doing this because God's word promises life. I imagine myself running through the field full sprint, chasing my son and wrestling with future kids. I'll imagine that because that's what God's word says. If I let the doctor tell me what's going on, then now the doctor's word informs me of what my reality is. I'm not doing that. I'm going to allow God's word to inform me of my reality. Maybe some of you are dealing with depression or anxiety or stress. Maybe for some of you it's so crippling that you don't know where to look or where to turn you're allowing the stress of your job or the stress of your marriage or your spouse or what people are saying about you. Maybe you feel the financial pressure. Whatever it might be, you have all these things that is actually affecting the way that you live. That's not God's standard for you. God's standard is peace through the storm. You notice that it was Jesus, Jesus' disciples that woke him up during the storm. Jesus was good sleeping through the storm. So your standard of life, what God's word says, should be at peace, Amen. So I think of Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I also think of Jesus, when he says in Jesus, when he says in John, that my peace I leave with you. It's not the peace the world gives, my peace I leave with you. So if you're like David, you need to be logical and you need to work everything out and I need to know how and I need to know why, does this make sense? But what he's telling me here in Philippians is that God's peace will guard my heart and it surpasses understanding. So David, stop trying to understand it. Because if the world's way of accepting peace, it means you have to have pretty much perfection in your life. No problems, no issues, that's how you get peace. But God is saying, you know what? All these things are going to happen, but you can have peace in the middle of your storm. So what I'll imagine is God's peace basically being his authority, his power, his breakthrough. And I'll imagine different scenarios of peace as I'm walking through a financial issue. I got to figure out how to do this. Hey, I got to figure out how to give to the build campaign. <laughs> God, I want your peace. I don't want to be stressed because I'm stretching myself. Help me walk that out, Father. Thank you for your peace as I walk through. So this is what I'll do. I'm trying to give a bit of an idea. And I'll go through every spot and I'll sit and I'll meditate on one or two scriptures and I'll just sit and let that inform my soul of what God's standard is. Because if we are not actively doing that, I'm just going to tell you, if you are not actively doing that, letting God's word transform your heart and build the image of your life, you are going to conform to what the world says your life should be. 
Your marriage is going to conform to what the world says. Your business life is going to conform to what the world says. All of these things. If you're single, this is the time to get you so in place where God is leading your life so that you become the spouse that someone else wants. Too many times we focus on wanting the perfect spouse and we forget about ourselves. No, let God shape and conform you. And guess what? Your life is going to attract what God has for you in your life. I'm just trying to be very practical and very basic today because meditation, meditating on God's word is vital for your walk. It's vital to live the life that God's called you. You're okay to live the life that you want to live? Go for it. You don't need to meditate in God's word. But if you want to step out into what God has for you, meditate on the word of God and allow his word to create the image that you're going to walk down because God's way is better than your way. God's way is better than my way. God's way is better than the world's way. His way is a way to life in every single area. The world standard, anything that's against God and not of his ways will lead to death and it will lead to destruction at some point. So let's make a stand. Be strong and be courageous in the space of what the world says. Let's stand up for what God's word says. Let's shape our lives after God's word says so our lives can do the talking and we can just show the glory of God in every single area of our life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes for a moment? I want to give an opportunity to those people who do not have a relationship with God. You've heard me talk about this idea of meditating on God's word. This whole thing comes from being in relationship with God. That is the first step. If you want to live a life that God has for you, but you don't have a relationship with him, you know what? God wants you in his family. In fact, he created you to be a part of his family. The word of God tells us that the way that we become a part of God's family is we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. What it means to believe in our heart means, God, I repent of my ways. Help me change. Help me turn from my ways, and I want you to be Lord of my life. It's a decision that we choose to repent and to follow God. Repent simply means to change direction. And we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. See, Jesus said no one's good. Stop trying to be good enough. Only God is good. That's why Jesus came to live a perfect life, to fulfill what we needed to fulfill on our behalf. And our faith through Jesus allows us access into God's family. And if that's you and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you walked away from God, maybe you feel like God hates you because you're just, you don't think you're good, I want to let you know that none of that matters. The only thing that matters is right now the decision you're making in your heart, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want a life with you. And right now, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And if that's you, when I count to three, would you raise your hand? If you're online, God knows what you're deciding. If you're in a different site, there's a pastor or leader on stage as well. But if that's you, it doesn't matter how far you feel from God, is that if you want a relationship with God, we're going to pray out loud all together in just a moment. But if that's you and you want to start a relationship with God today, would you raise your hand in one, two, three? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you over there. Awesome. Thank you over here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you over there. Thank you over here. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you back there. Gonna look around one last time. Thank you over here. Praise God. If you're online, as I said, God knows what you're deciding. Would we all, would you all repeat after me? We're gonna pray out loud. Thank you back there. Would you all repeat after me? We're gonna pray out loud together as a church with these people who are giving their life to Jesus and starting that. Awesome. Thank you. 
Repeat after me. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in the agreement said amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Hey, praise God. You just made the best decision of your life.